What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Ruby Rube, coming at you from the Gathering Strength Podcast. Vieris equite iundo, we gather strength as we go. Over here at the Gathering Strength Podcast, your boy, Ruby Rube, wants you to have a buff body, a buff bank, a buff mind, and a buff spirit. That's right. I want to see you jacked. I want your veins to have veins. I want you to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger via 1972 Mr. Olympia competition. Sure, we might be a little bit delusional to think that we can get there physically, but what about our mind? What about our spirit? What about our bank? Sure, we could we could pursue our greatest chiseled physique where we could potentially set ourselves up to look like some sort of Greek goddess. But man, what about our bank? We want our pockets on swole. We want deep pockets. We want our minds to be able to push through and lift us with when life hits us with the heaviest of hits. We want our spirit to be looking like, man, like I said, Arnold Schwarzenegger, 1972, via the... Mr. Olympia competition. Just picture that. Once again, I don't have too much time. You don't have too much time. We got things to do, places to be, people to see, babies to kiss, and potentially dinner to make. So while that water's boiling and we prepare to throw in some mac and cheese to satiate the hunger of these kids, let your boy Ruby Rube satiate that hunger for knowledge that you have now let's let's quit all this playing and jump right into it once again the word of the day that's how we kick it off here at the gathering strength podcast we increase every single attribute that can be increased which is something that will equate to strength to gains and one of the ways that we do that is by buffing up our vocabulary. So the word of the day is indefatigable. I already know what you're saying. Hey, but Ruby Rube, indefatigable. That was the word of the day in last episode's podcast. And I already know. I already know that indefatigable was indeed the word of the day in last episode's podcast. But because I had so much fun discovering this word, and learning about it and studying it, it is worth being the word of the day for two podcasts in a row. Because after all, I want you to learn this word thoroughly and completely, indefatigable. Now, one of the little ways you can measure a perspective that will keep you rich in abundance is your ability to enjoy the little things in life. For example, such as discovering a new word. When I came across this word in the book, Ego is the Enemy, written by Ryan Holiday, that word, indefatigable, stopped me in my tracks. Now, I could have let that word go over my head in which I would have remained unaware and therefore less less enlightened than which I currently am right now. 
but hey, you know what? That's not how your boy Ruby Rube operates. When I see a word that I don't understand, I'm going to pull out my phone. I'm going to do a quick little Google search on it, and I'm going to broaden my horizon. I'm going to deepen my understanding, and I'm going to, therefore, obtain a firmer grasp and deeper understanding of reality. Because once and for all, once you do enrich your vocabulary and you understand the language that you use, that's what happened. You broaden your horizons, you gain a deeper understanding of how the world works. You can point out what is and what isn't. And hey, maybe you might identify a word that can be associated with the internal feeling that you are feeling. And if you didn't have that word in your arsenal in which you could be called upon, then that emotion would remain uh, in the fog. That emotion that you don't have a word to describe it would remain ambiguous. It would remain unclear, unspecified. But hey, that's one way that we gather our strength here at the Gathering Strength Podcast. I'm telling you. Pick up on these words, learn your vocabulary, and empower yourself. But once again, I want to implore on you the importance. And hey, who knows? You know what? This might just be one of those little things that spice up your life. It has spiced up my life. And that's why I feel compelled to share some of these little things that are essentially free for everyone to enjoy. You know, I I did pay, I don't know, maybe $8, $12, $15 for this book, whatever it cost. You know, I I spent some time with it and I was able to learn about ego. I was able to learn about all of these things that could potentially be a stumbling block for me. And along that route, I discovered a a new word. I actually discovered a, a handful of new words, but none as potent as this word indefatigable. Once again, the word of the day, indefatigable. I'm going to spell it for you. Just be, just in case you want to type it into your own Google search and look at it and, and ingest it and hopefully embody this word because this is an important word. The way you spell indefatigable is I-N-D-E-F-A-T-I-G-A-B-L-E. Indefatigable. Now, the definition of that word is an adjective, a person or their efforts persisting tirelessly. Hey, let's use that in a sentence. Um, His indefatigable spirit helped him to cope with his illness. Now, you can be an indefatigable person. You can work indefatigably. Now, how about this next one right here? Indefatigability. That word is eight synonyms long. Indefatigability. Eight words. If you can find a cooler word that is that has more than eight syllables in it, hey, shoot me a message. Shoot me a message because I'm interested. I'm thoroughly interested. If you can find a cooler word than indefatigability, which means persisting tirelessly, 
Hey, let me know. I'm interested in that word. Anyways, on to the meat and potatoes from the word of the day. Now, we're going to talk about the meat and potatoes. And this segment of the podcast is called the meat and potatoes because this is something that is going to put some meat and muscle on your bones. It's going to put some hair on your chest. And it's going to potentially drop your balls and put some bass in your voice when you are introduced to this. Now, I'm not going to talk about it in depth because that's not the purpose of this podcast. The purpose of this podcast is just to sow a little bit of seeds in you so that you can, hey, maybe I spark some interest and you can go out on your own and do a deep dive. You can go home, put on your bikini, your swimsuit, whatever you wear, to go internet surfing, and you can go down that rabbit hole yourself. So hedonic adaptation. Hedonic adaptation. What does that mean? Well, you go and learn today. Hedonic adaptation. The hedonic treadmill, also known as hedonic adaptation, is the observed tendency of humans to quickly return to a relatively stable level of happiness despite major positive or negative events or life changes. Now, I first was introduced to this hedonic adaptation um, human behavior in the book Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kamen. Uh, this author, he's the winner of the Nobel Prize in Economics. Sheesh! Man, so once again, when, when we start to read these books by these smart people, for one, I'm never going to do this research. I don't have the time to go out and study humans. Man, I got bills to pay. I got things to do. I got, I got a lawn to go mow. I got some workouts to go do. I got kids uh, lunches who I need to make. I got to take them to school. I don't have time for all this stuff. But hey, but this guy, Daniel Kamen, he has time. He did his study. And not, not only has he done his study, he has been able to pull information from other people, from other brilliant, smart, sophisticated thinkers. He has been able to he has been able to learn from the studies that have been before him and then build upon it and then collect all of that information and package it in a book for the readers um, for the readers consummation so how long would it take me to go out and one read all these studies do all these studies do all this research, analyze it, write all these peer-reviewed papers. Like I said, man, it would take me forever. And that is the power of reading because this winner of the Nobel Prize in economics guy, Daniel Kamen, hey man, he won a, a freaking Nobel Prize. So I let that guy do all the heavy lifting and I purchased his book. Let me see, how much did this book cost? It was 20 bucks. But hey, you know, Amazon, I don't know, I probably bought it for much lesser than that. And so this guy, this book, Thinking Fast and Slow, essentially what it is, it's a instruction manual for how your brain works. No cap. 
you know how they say that there's no instruction manual for parenting? There's no instruction manual for this. There's no instruction manual for that. Well, this book, Thinking Fast and Slow, is an instruction manual for how your brain works. Now, when you do read a book like this, because this guy is such a brilliant thinker, a lot of the stuff is going to go over your head, as some of it did mine. But the thing that I was able to glom onto and understand, hey, they, they illuminated some human behaviors that I was exhibiting, which then enlightened me to understand how I work. And then I can reflect on how that physical, um, psychological phenomenon was able to uh, manipulate and form my life over time. Because when you learn something, now you can reflect on it and look back at your life and see when that, that psychological phenomenon was, was being used. When you didn't even know, you were blind to what was going on. But when you read and you take on new knowledge, now you know what was once in the dark, new knowledge has illuminated it. And now you know. And because you know, your knowledge, your understanding, your consciousness, it never shrinks or diminishes. I guess if you get dementia or get a hard head injury, but for the regular Joe, like you and I, the ones whose brains work, when we learn something, we can't unlearn something. And when you learn something new, for example, like this hedonic adaptation, now you are empowered and you're going to be able to know a little bit better right from wrong. Because after all, ignorance is not bliss. Now, one of the ways that I was able to understand hedonic adaptation was uh, there was an example in the book where he plainly said there's never going to be one thing that you can buy that is going to make you ultimately happy for the rest of your life. There's never going to be one event in your life that is going to make you happy forever. And then to invert that, there's never going to be one thing that you lose that is going to make you sad forever. There's never going to be one catastrophe that is going to make you unhappy for the rest of your life. I already know what you're saying. Hey, your children can die. Um, you can get a divorce. All of these things. Whatever it is, name anything that is just horrific, a catastrophe that can happen to anyone at any time. As much as it is going to suck, once you are out of that situation and circumstance, even that is not going to make you unhappy for the rest of your life. Now, back in the day, there was this woman, J.C. Dugard. She was kidnapped from the Lake Tahoe area, and she was kidnapped as a young little girl, and she was uh, held in captivity by her kidnapper and his wife, 
and the guy even raped her and she had kids. Yes, while that is traumatic, I'm not saying that it's not. But this J.C. Dugard woman, uh, I plan on uh, listening to one of her books, but man, it looks like she's thriving. She's doing all right. I'm sure she has been able to get some help in, you know, with her mindset and everything else, but she has something to live for. And that's not just, you know, J.C. Dugard, Victor Frankl. Victor Frankl was a psychologist who was thrown in three Nazi concentration camps. He was a Jew, so he was able to analyze uh, the Nazi guards and his fellow Jewish prisoners. And once again, he saw the worst that humanity could ever do. He saw his family killed. He saw babies being thrown in rivers. Yep, once again, horrible, horrible stuff. But once he was liberated, he was able to reflect, process, and there's that old saying that, uh, what's his name? Uh, Something Nietzsche, another philosopher, he said that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And if you have the right coping mechanisms, and if you can sort yourself out, if you can pull yourself out from the depths of hell, you're going to end up in a better situation and circumstance, just like Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was able to develop his, his, um, his psychology and his perspective and his work because he went through that Holocaust. Now, I'm sure if he had the option to you know, never experience that, hey, we're all going to take that path to never experience Auschwitz and those concentration camps. But hey, you know, a lot of these bad things that happen to us, they, we don't have a choice. We are just in the muck and the mire. And it's just going to take some time and effort to get ourselves out. The things, um, here's another person. Um, hey, I'm reading a book right now, uh, Frederick Douglass. Um, he was a slave. I witnessed all of the atrocities that slavery um, in, encompasses from seeing slaves shot point blank right in front of him to seeing his family members whipped, uh, whipped mercilessly, mercilessly, man, that's another hard word, mercilessly. He saw all of his slaves just getting whooped and he was able to rise to prominence because of it. Now, yes, I'm sure there was probably some nightmares. There was probably some tough times. There was probably some adversity that he had to go through. But once he was able to, you know, remove himself from that situation, he was able to to, uh, process it. Even when he was in, in, on the plantation as a slave, there was good days. Booker T. Washington, he even says the, the same deal. Like, it wasn't just all, all bad. Um... Uh, him and his slaves, they were able to to have their their moments of happiness, to have their moments of peace, however short-lived. But that's where the hedonic adaptation comes in. No matter what you get, you can win a million dollars in the lottery right now. And after you're done spending all your money, buying the house, buying the car, buying the boat, The house is going to be just another regular old house. 
the car is going to get old. You're going to put some miles on it. It's going to uh, get dirty. It's going to lose its shine. Your boat, your boat is going to get old and used and worn down. Everything. You're going to feel good, great, high when you have that million dollars. You're going to feel good, great, high when you get that new car. But your baseline of happiness always goes back down to where it's at. No matter what. And this just isn't your boy Ruby Rube's opinion. It is a psychological fact. Now, a benefit of understanding and knowing the hedonic adaptation is that potentially we can save ourselves from chasing things that are going to make us feel high temporarily, but then ultimately lead us down to where we currently are, which is, you know, this baseline of happiness, wherever you're at. Now, the things that make us feel good that can't be bought is is finding peace and happiness in the small things. For example, you know, being able to enjoy going out for a walk, being able to have a, a picnic at the park with your kids, being able to identify a new word and, you know, spending 10 minutes digging into that. Being able to do something nice for someone. Um, being able to have a great workout. Being able to run fast, run far. Just having a, a overall healthy body to where you're not in pain. We take all these things for granted because we have them every single day. And because we have them every single day, we are blind to truly how blessed we are to have them. When you have a body that is not in pain, just at rest. You know, there's some people who lie in bed in pain, chronic pain. And how much would that person pay? What would they do? How much would they give to not feel that pain anymore? There is a local radio DJ who recently killed himself because he was in chronic pain. Constant persisting pain. I don't know the extent of it, but he had Lyme disease. And I guess he was just always in pain. I I don't know what type of pain, but unendurable pain to where he felt taking his life was a better option. Now, one of the ways that we can identify the hedonic adaptation in our lives is reflect on your life when you got your your brand new car, how it felt going to the dealership. You were all excited. You You were seeking out the specific model, doing the research. You're at the car dealership. Everyone's being nice to you. You go on the test drive. You have that new car smell, it's nice and clean, and you go through the transaction, and then you drive it off the lot, and you're all excited. You know, you're all excited for about a week, and then the car gets dirty, and it begins to diminish month after month after month, and then it's just a regular old car, because our hedonic adaptation took us back down to our base level of happiness. One of the ways that we can keep that happiness going 
doesn't cost any money, which is exercising gratitude. I know it's cliche. Oh, wow. Ruby Rube is over there talking about gratitude, being able to appreciate a, a car. You know, well, that is how, that is the secret. <laughs> but it's not a secret. It is just a, a forgotten about value and virtue that is applicable and implementable in everyone's life. For example, hey, your boy Ruby Rube, I was at my local grocery store and one of the staples that I love to have in my diet is beets. I love a beet smoothie. And sometimes when I go into these grocery stores, their, their beet selection will be subpar. And I'll just be like, man, I guess I'll go with this bundle. But I'm going to take a picture of this bundle of beets that I was able to, to find today. And I'm like, man, I got all excited. I even showed, I showed a fellow grocery shopper, I held up proudly my bundle of beets and I said, have you ever seen a more beautiful bunch of beets? And hey, we, we agreed and we were just looking at the beets and we were just like, man. And I was like, you know what? That is another sign and indication, one, that I'm getting old, two, that I can find joy and happiness in a simple bunching of beets. You know why? Because gratitude is there. I know that these beets, they're a luxury. If I was strapped for cash and all I had money was for macaroni and cheese and some, I don't know, what else is cheap out there? Uh, whatever, uh, just, just mac and cheese, top ramen. You know what? There's some people who are just living off of top ramen. And for those people who are listening to this, who are surviving off Top Ramen, your boy Ruby Rube is going to tell you, keep going, keep digging, keep saving that money, keep learning something, because as you incrementally, day by day, gather your strength, everything works for you. The universe, your lucky rabbit's foot, Jesus God, they all conspire to work for you. But you have to consistently do the right thing. And when you consistently do the right thing, that's how you gather your strength. That is how you level up. That is how you give yourself a promotion. That is how you become a titleist leader. You don't need to be a CEO of a company. You don't need to be top dog, big boss. Be the CEO of your own life. Be your own chief financial officer. After all, after all, you are. You are your own small business. You are your own boss. You are your own person who will lead yourself out of the desert, out of the wilderness, and into the land of milk and honey. Right now, you're in the land of top ramen. But keep putting in that work every single day. And that is just how life works. Your wins stack up. All of the little snowflakes accumulate. And then one day, you are the avalanche. So hedonic adaptation, once again, let's 
identify the things that we chase, that we go out and buy. It's going to make us happy momentarily. And then a short while, your baseline goes down. And if you don't get a grip on it, you're going to go out and buy something else. And then once again, that cycle is going to repeat forever. It is going to repeat forever. Not because I say, not because of, hey, this is, this is trending right now. This is just how humans are. Hedonic adaptation. There's never going to be one thing that you buy that's going to make you happy forever. There's never going to be one shitty circumstance that makes you miserable forever. Pretty fascinating stuff when you think about how your mind works. And this is why I'm fascinated with psychology because we all have a brain. We all do things. Don't you want to figure out and find out why you are the way that you are? Are you even doing the things that you want to do or because, hey, you know what? It's just how you've been flowing. It's just how you have been programmed. I think it's fascinating because if you don't even know how you work and how you operate, you're going off of some software program that someone else programmed you with. But once again, let's look at our lives. Let's let's try to optimize our lives. Let's reflect on how this hedonic adaptation will work for us in the future, in the present, and let's see how the hedonic adaptation worked for us in the past when we thought we were going to buy this specific item and we were going to be happy and content forever and ever. I remember there was this one camera lens that I wanted. It was a Canon 70-200 f2.8 and brand new it was like i don't know three thousand dollars but i think i got one refurbished for like fourteen hundred dollars one thousand four hundred dollars your boy ruby rube paid for a camera lens not a camera a freaking lens but you know what that was a lens that i needed and i told myself you know what i'm gonna get this one last lens because I, i'm gonna utilize it i was able to use use that lens for my wedding photography which made me money so it was a little business investment because after all you have to spend money to make money and i told myself you know what after i buy this lens i'm gonna be so happy i will be complete and fulfilled that happened for a little bit but that is just another old lens right now that's how it works with everything Take inventory of what you have and how much joy it, it brought you temporarily and then see how you look at it now. It's just another thing we can increase our joy and the pleasurable aspects of life with gratitude. So until then, I hope you learn something. I hope there's a little seed that I've sown in you to help you better understand yourself. Hey, and you know what? When you better 
understand yourself. If you are a parent, you can better understand your kids, your spouses, how people work. You can see what their intentions are. You can understand their desires. You can see why other people do what they do. And if you're a parent, one of the the duties is to help guide your kids and be a leader within your household to where you can be a service to others. As, as Dr. Jordan B. Peterson said, to be a light on the world and not a plight on the world. So if you made it this far in the podcast, thank you for listening. I hope you learned something. Um, shoot me a little message on whichever uh, whichever streaming service app you are listening on. And until next time, boys and girls, it is onward, always onward. <laughs>